Welcome to the Q. Conversations in digital media. This podcast is brought to you by Q1 Media. Digital campaign execution and optimization since 2004. Our next episode is queued up and ready to roll. Thank you for listening. You're in the queue. Welcome to the queue, everyone. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Q1 Media. Q1 Media partners with agencies and brands all across the nation for all their digital marketing needs, whether that's CTV, OTT, location-based mobile device ID targeting, search engine marketing, targeted display, uh, research, and, or whatever data you might need, whatever it is, Q1 Media can help out with all of your digital marketing efforts. So please check out Q1 Media at Q1 Media's website, q1media.com. That's Q, the number one, media.com to see maybe some download some case studies or whatever else you want to look at or view episodes of this podcast and download them and, and listen to them. Definitely go back. There's a bunch of good stuff, good content. Uh, today's guest is Steve Chandler from Chandler Thinks. Uh, he's been working within the advertising space for quite some time now, but really found a passion within the places categories. So working with mun- local municipalities, uh, the CVBs, tourism, travel, and really found his niche and his and what he does now is he consults with these uh, municipalities or CVBs and helps them try and really capture their brand. Uh, it was just an enjoyable conversation. He definitely has such a wealth of knowledge within the space. Uh, you can definitely check him out at ChandlerThinks.com. And uh, we just had a really good conversation. Hope you guys enjoy it this year in the queue. Thank you, Steve, for joining us here in the queue. Welcome to Austin. Is this is this your first time to Austin? Uh, it's about my fourth or fifth time here. Okay. Yeah. Usually Any, I'm in and out for business and out out. So looking forward to getting out and seeing a little bit of Austin this evening. Wait, any changes that you just, I mean, it's 105 degrees outside right now, so that's probably right. not the best, but. Yeah, uh, I, yeah, today when I got out of the airport, I realized the whole burnt orange thing, because everything is burnt orange, especially your construction going on right now. Mm-hmm. There's a uh, traffic everywhere, like the, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's an interstate or a highway, there's just a lot of development, there, you're, uh, the vegetation on the side of the road had dust on it. That's how, <laughs> that's how bad it was. Like it's. It's been in construction for at least two years, and, and it, it never catches up either. Like right. they'll they'll start a project, and it'll be five years when right. it's done, and and then they're already five years behind. So it's like it, they need to start construction when they're when they're doing construction on new projects that make additional improvements to what they've already started right. on. Okay. Uh, so that you, know, you know your construction serious when you don't have a permanent concrete plant that's built in the middle of the construction site. Yeah. That that's a commitment to long term construction. <laughs> <laughs> no, totally, totally. Uh, so, where are you from? Where where'd you where'd you grow up, and and where did your what your parents do? I am from Owensboro, Kentucky, actually. Nice. Uh, self-proclaimed, or the town proclaims itself. These are probably fighting words in Texas. The barbecue capital, the international barbecue capital of the world. Really? And there's a giant, giant uh, p- pot of burgoo, which is like a stew, right? Barbecue uh-huh. stew. 
but that's on the side of the road, interna- proclaiming international barbecue capital of the world, Owensboro, Kentucky. Well, if they had that, then that's that's well, technically... Then, then it must be true. It's got to be true. That's right. Because right. <laughs> right. they took the time to build that out. They built a giant <laughs> kettle. That's exactly Some, what it is. Somebody along the way, way back when, definitely made that, hey, you know what, let's put this up. Right. Giant, <laughs> giant kettle, cauldron, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. So what was it like growing in Kentucky? Were you a bourbon guy? Uh, yeah, you know, yeah. if you're in Kentucky, you, uh, like, you like basketball and you like bourbon and you like bluegrass so uh, I like and horse all, racing right and horse racing I, i'm a fan of all four of them and uh, we can go talk and have bourbon and, and cigars and talk about it anytime you want what well uh, let me ask you what what would be so i'll ask you two questions okay one what is your just everyday go-to whiskey uh bourbon yeah thank excuse you. me the correction uh, that's, that's, i almost i almost slipped up on that yeah. one uh what's your favorite just go to day to day and then maybe what's your your hey i just I had a really good day. There's a big occasion. I'm going to take a sip of this. Sure. Absolutely. Go to every day. It is good stuff. Um, is Evan Williams single barrel. Single barrel. Okay. Evan Williams single barrel. Don't get Evan Williams. That's yeah, yeah, crap. Yeah. yeah. Right. But uh, <laughs> Evan Williams single barrel is about as good as it gets. And then, and then you could also throw in for the price, but I, I really shouldn't do that because then it says, well, it's not that good. No, it's, it's amazing. It'll, it'll go up against any fine bourbon. Uh, uh, but, uh, but it's actually very well priced as well. Uh, if that's a really special occasion, I'm probably gonna uh, probably Basil Hayden. Oh, Basil. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And is that is that Maybe. one? Where's that one from? Basil Hayden's from Barstown. Bars. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm gonna have to try that. I've never tried that one before, so I'm gonna, I'm a big whiskey, bourbon, scotch, all the all the types you know, fan. Th- this week is. Uh, what the, probably one of the largest travel and tourism conferences in the country all year long. It's called ESTO, and it happens to be hosted here in Austin this week. I missed it, but last night they were awarding the National Travel and Tourism Ad Campaigns for the year. Bardstown won for their Bourbon is Made in Bardstown campaign. Oh, wow. Yeah. There you go. I mean, that's... How about, how about that for segues and... And throwing I, it out there, right? You got a lot of space in that area. <laughs> You've done it. I mean, hey, it's your Kentucky place. I would say it's weird. I, I don't want to get into this too much, but you can probably tell me pretty quickly what truly makes the bourbon. Yeah. It's the way it's made, right? It's not necessarily sure. that it's in Kentucky. Well, it's, our lo- it's our location. That's yeah. why Tennessee whiskey is also very prominent. Uh, there's a small few brands known down there, too, like Jack, right? Um, it's the limestone uh, and the water. Uh, that, so that's just a, a geological thing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, where you're located. Uh, so that's why that area of the country is so, so big. Uh, and then, you know, a lot of corn, which is all over the place, but not mm-hmm. all over the place has the lime. So it's really the limestone, the water, and the corn together that does it. Obviously, they bring other elements in. But yeah, there's a lot of corn up near the Midwest, too. They can yeah. bring yes, it over there, have, Illinois, they Indiana. They don't have the limestone like, like they do in Kentucky. Yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly. That's, exactly. that's the key. Well, that's great. So, uh, so you born and raised Kentucky. You've been there your whole life, or did you uh, move around a little bit? Uh, you know, I went I went to uh, college at Western Kentucky University, Hilltoppers. Yeah. Uh, I'm a big red, the big giant red mascot that we all mm-hmm. see. Don't know what it is. Uh, well, that's in Bowling Green. I was there for, and then after college, I kind of went on south to Nashville, and I've been in Middle Tennessee for 25 years. Wow. Yeah. So south south all the way, right? Well, I reckon so. Yeah. <laughs> That's well, good. Well, Texas has a little bit of that. We're not Austin's weird. I mean, you know that. It's sure. got some some weird spots, but uh, Texas does have some of that, that barbecue flair. Oh. Austin in particular could there's a there's a town just south of here, Lockhart, that's could say that they're the barbecue capital of the world. But no, I've I've eaten barbecue a handful of places in Texas and it's a full on sport. Yeah. I mean I, you you don't 
you don't eat barbecue in Texas without being incredibly hungry and ready to tackle on some eating, yeah. right? Like you don't graze. You, it's a sport. They mass amounts. It's amazing. Uh, I've never seen restaurants the size of what's in Texas dedicated to barbecue and the portions that are, that are available. Yeah. It's unlike anything else. Well, and the, just the people who come and wait in line for four hours just to get right. a taste of yeah. brisket. And you're, yeah. It's yeah. insane. Uh, absolutely insane. Uh, so went to college, um, still st- stayed all the way. What, what got you into uh, the travel travel industry or the t- tourism space? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm actually an ad, ad agency brat. I, my goal was to be uh, Don Draper. Uh, for those who follow uh, admin, I, I uh, yeah, I was a, I was an account guy in an agency in, in Nashville. Went to Atlanta actually for a couple years to work at a big old honking agency there. Thought what I, what agency was that? Uh, BBDO. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I thought I'd learn the secret sauce of advertising, and I, I kind of did. What kind of shop was that? Was it full creative yeah, service? Yeah, I mean, we did everything. We did. Uh, God, we placed media all over the country. Um, uh, worked on the kind of launch of bear you know the bear oh, brand and yeah. their, their entry into the lawn and garden category and delta airlines and a lot of pretty cool sparkle paper towels angel soft bath tissue the things that we've all used yeah yes yeah, so i used to manage all the advertising for that and uh honestly i just love nashville my wife and i did so we headed back to nashville and and been there ever since worked in an agency uh called bohan advertising and and they have many accounts like agencies do but specialized in travel and tourism um, and including Pigeon Forge Tourism, which is year after year one of the top ten destinations in the country uh, for visitation. Uh, at the time, I was working on beaches of South Walton, so anyone goes to the seaside, Rosemary Beach, those types of places, Grayton Beach, that's all in this area. We, that was one of our accounts at the agency. Uh, the Grand Ole Opry, of course, if you're in Nashville, and lucky to have that. Um, Black Hills of South Dakota, Greenbrier in, in West Virginia. So we had a lot of travel and tourism accounts. So it was just you kind of – gravitated to learning about that and and uh, the owner of the company uh, decided to branch out and uh, develop a consulting firm uh, that would help smaller destinations and kind of package some research strategy and creative and and uh and after a couple years of that company which was just next door to my office uh he incubated it i i kind of got bored of the agency world and decided i wanted to do that and i went over and kind of was president of this destination branding company and did that for about four or five years and Till the young child came, the second second under three years old. So we travel was not a good idea for me at that time. So I went back to the agency as an agency dude for a while, for a few years, and then um, like every you know, kind of the classic American story, you decide, you know what, I really want to work for myself. So I did, and uh, started my own business about eight years ago, and uh, and we are a place marketing company, and that's what we do. We work with places, cities, municipalities, counties, destinations to help them brand or 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 market themselves to grow tourism, and but also economic development, uh, overall city living, all that retain talent, recruitment, things like that. Wow! Yeah, so uh, having that space on the brand or on the agency side and developing the creative chops for sure. all that, because some of these municip- municipalities, whatever it is, CVBs, they they don't have that mindset. They don't know yeah. how to, to generally get the word out to the public. And how, how was that, like, you know, working with these clients and go, okay, well, look, I know what to do here, but you're going to, I'm going to need some help from you and learn, you know, what makes your community great. Sure. I mean, yeah. Boy, that's the perfect question. Uh, seriously. Uh, the, the idea of branding a place, a city, mm-hmm. a destination at face value, even the people that were doing it, uh, mm-hmm. the like, agencies or, or the, the municipalities or the convention visitor bureaus, 
at first the idea was we need a brand much like Mountain Dew or, you know, a, a shoe and uh, our paper towels, a, a paper, our paper towels, right? <laughs> so what they so we develop a logo and catchy line and and maybe a cool ad or two. Awesome, that's yeah. great. No, back in the seventies and eighties, that would work great uh, with mass media being the way it was. You know, you threw enough money out there to your target audience, you're going to win the game of people understanding what your brand was by just simple reach and frequency reach is all reach and frequency and you go to the grocery store and there's your choices which brand so the logo mattered because that's what was on the product uh and familiarization of what i saw in the advertising the destination is completely different not to mention the world of travel and 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 researching a community all occurs online Uh, they're not the only ones it happens in all the categories today but especially with municipalities the game of uh of branding is it's just it's played differently. People brag about cities all the time that they've been. They brag about them on social media. They tell their friends about them. Not once does someone go, you know what? I love Austin, Texas, and look at their logo. Yeah. <laughs> they don't do it. Now, they could tell you about Austin. They could tell you that uh, the draft house is here, and this is here, and uh, there's this wonderful Tex-Mex restaurant and the University of Austin and Congress, as a Congress Avenue? Right? Yeah, yeah. It's down there, and what a great place that is, and across the river, and they got the river. And they could tell you all kinds of rich, wonderful, dynamic things about Austin, just like they do about every other city. And nine, out of, nine and a half out of ten people could not tell you what the logo looked like. Mm-hmm. That's not That wasn't the world of consumer products and packaged goods. But destination marketing is completely different. It's about experiences. It's about what people, you know, People shop and they eat and they take pictures of murals with wings. That's just the rules, right? And so, um, and so, branding had to be more of this collective story that's rich and dynamic and delivered by everybody, not just the marketer of it. You can only yeah, so it, it it changed the rules. And so, the industry, uh, the idea of destination branding, had to learn the hard way at first. A lot of people were going through this big exercise of branding a city, and we'll, all you got was a logo, a tagline, and some ads. Well, that didn't get you very far. Mm-hmm. Uh, once and so, once people started to realize, wait a second, branding a, a destination is more about a story. And uh, the best, fastest way I could, I'm not trying to be controversial, knowing where I'm at, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, there's a little town in in, Nash, in in Tennessee, Nashville, Tennessee. They're known as Music City. Yeah. And I always tell people, you know why Nashville's Music City? Because it is. That's it. Not because we have a great logo that says Music City. I don't even know what the logo looks like. Uh, we didn't get a, a memo from the mayor that said, hey, could you all please refer to Nashville as Music City in, in some of your marketing when you talk to people? In fact, could some of the businesses, <laughs> would some of you all change your name from you know Chandler's Wheel and Tire to Music City Tire? Could you do that? would help our branding. By the way, there's 166 businesses in Nashville named Music City something. Yeah. Right? Nashville's Music City, just because it is. And it's it and it's it's discovered and experienced in a number of different ways, uh, which is why you know to bring it back to Austin. You know, everyone God, everyone loves the whole Austin is weird thing. Uh, that seriously, everyone loves it. The reason they love it is because it's true in a lot of different levels. Uh, that's the only reason it was so great. It's because depending on your perspective, you can find ways that it's quirky, unique, colorful. Um, uh, highly educated, a little bit different than you're expecting, all right? It, and it happens in a lot of different ways, not because you put the words Austin is weird all over Austin. Mm-hmm. And and that's what destination branding is about. Is you, it's delivering the story, 
but it has to be true and it has to be experienced in a lot of different ways and, and it's it's tough it's definitely not a can of mountain dew yeah you mentioned brands as a city and most cities do have a brand Right. Uh, most of them. I mean, some of them might be lost in their brand right now because they're growing rapidly or maybe there's a big change happening within that city. But you're right. It, it's kind of developed through time. Uh, do you find that a lot of times um, when you work with these smaller communities, they want you to come in and develop something already instead of like, are they like looking yeah. for you to come with the magic answer? You're like, actually, let me stay here for a few weeks and let me find out what that brand is. Cause that's really what it is. Like, what do you, what is your brand as a city? Like you need them to tell you. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I always tell our clients that uh, if I come back and pull a rabbit out of the hat and say, ta-da, this is it. It's wrong. It's that because if it's that much of a surprise, it can't be true. Uh, usually what happens, the classic example of we just take our own assets for granted. Trust me, people that live within 50 miles of Mammoth Cave in Kentucky haven't visited. I mean, it's very often the case. Mm -hmm. We take our assets for granted and we know too much, particularly politics. Right. When we try to sell a city, we don't want to sell just this one thing because Look at our, well, look at these other industries over there. Like they're strong too. So if, if I push just one, one niche about our destination as our brand or as our hook, as like people like to call it, I'm alienating everyone else, right? I disagree. Uh, but that's what people have a tough time doing is they, they want something that's going to capture everything. And, and, and the misnomer is the only thing that's going to say everything about a city is it's a great place to live, work, and play, mm -hmm. which everybody lives works and start a family right. get the white get the house the white picket fence all right it may be true and everyone loves that it's a great soapbox thing at a political rally but it doesn't tell you anything interesting i i would uh, submit that it's better to say something that's interesting and true by the way something that's interesting about your community so you have the chance to tell them all the other wonderful things uh, instead of the fire hose of let me tell you everything about our place with everything that I say and throw up on them and uh, absolutely <laughs> it, it, it a, becomes lost. There's a lot of throw up out there, um, or a lot of generalization, and that, and that's what happens. I, mm -hmm. No joke. I, more communities say we're a great place to live, work, and play than probably anything. It's interesting too. You mentioned what requires this to happen are, are people need to move. People need to be mobile. Mm -hmm. um, we're constantly moving a society that is able to do that more with travel becoming a little bit easier, jobs becoming more remote, mm -hmm. uh, even with millennials and uh, most millennials don't even have to go into the office. You know, there's right. kind of flexibility now. So how do you grab those people from when the traditional time was, like you said, TV and radio, that was the way to get across to people, maybe in print. Mm -hmm. But then it, it was kind of like a process. Usually your life kind of went in stages, and now that's kind of flipped on its head. Uh, so what's the difference now? I mean, how how do you still try to brand to those people who are maybe having a little bit more freedom now to do live life how they want, uh, so to speak? Sure, yeah. I mean, you know, lucky, like everybody else, uh, social media and um, the online world has created this, this transparency um, that we didn't used to have. Mm -hmm. And so it goes back to being interesting and authenticity. People are gonna, gonna find out about that. Uh, people don't, do not want the mundane. They don't want the ordinary. And so the key is, it's not this magic. Uh, we have so many ways we can target people. Uh, you know, we can, I can niche target people that visited a certain location, as you all know, 
last year. You know that I want people that are in my downtown square at this at this music festival last year. I, you can target them, right? That you all can do that. Um, what makes a place memorable? Getting to the branding and worthy of sharing and telling others is having this authenticity and uh, something that people can't get anywhere else. And and by the way, it's not the same thing for all people. Um, not every place is for everybody. Uh, there's a lot of people that love uh, Barrel, Alaska. <laughs> it's kind of cold up there. Yeah. Right? Now would be the time to go, but then it's right. sun like 20 hours of the day, right, so you're not going right. to get much sleep. You know, not, not every, it's, you got to kind of have to be at peace that this isn't for everybody. It doesn't mean you don't welcome everyone, but it's not for everybody. But, you know, some, some places are super safe and education and comfortable and, and not real interesting to millennials who want nightlife. Well, that's okay. Then they could. There's there's a place that's perfect for them, right? Uh, Austin, I think, grew a lot of that with the tech industry coming and the type of people that were working in the tech industry wanted some excitement, something that was interesting, right? And so uh, I think that, that, that contributed a lot to Austin. So the the goal isn't to um, isn't find this. Uh, I, I don't think it's a really even a, a magic marketing uh, message. I think it's authenticity and, and and what's unique about you, you know. Blow it up. I yeah. mean, but by blow it up, I don't mean don't get rid of it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, showcase it and highlight it. Uh, that's the key. When you work with these uh, clients of yours or consulting them, are they looking for a certain goal? Or is there typically sure. just an overarching, hey, we just need people to move here. Sure. We can track it. Uh, what, like, I don't know. Is that... Is it, or is it maybe like an event that you're typically working with them on? Sure, yeah. I mean, a lot of times when you ask, you ask destinations, what, why do you want a brand? And they're like, oh, we want to work well together. We want to be unified. And uh, what I'm learning is usually when they say they want to be unified, that means we, all want to, we want everyone to use the same logo, like the city, the tourism, economic development, the chamber. If we'd all use the same logo, we'd be unified. It's kind of old school thinking about you know, that branding is all about templates and colors and designs. And and, and I'm not saying consistency is not important for, for branding. It is. Uh, but if you all have the same logo, but you all tell different stories in, in your programs and how you implement your, your own marketing uh, or the way you, your culture, the same logo doesn't mean anything. So, um, you know, I go through this exercise uh, back to Nashville. I'll show every single entity in Nashville from the municipal government, who doesn't use a logo, by the way, uh, tourism, Chamber of Commerce, Economic Development, minor league baseball team, uh, the Technology Council, I can go on and on and on. They all have different logos, but one central theme. One way or another, they talk about, they, they incorporate music into it. So it's not, so unif unification is important. It's probably the number one goal of what people want. Mm -hmm. uh, it's interesting because uh, you don't rarely do any of them measure, to your question, unification, uh, but they definitely can feel it. Mm -hmm. Because a community that works together, works well together, then that means they're working together in everything. So your retail receipts, very measurable, and it creates revenue for the city. Your retail receipts are up. Your occup occupancy rates are up, which means guests are staying overnight. That's key, because if someone stays overnight, they're going to spend three to five times more in your community than if they were just a day tripper. Uh, more businesses will move the town, which means more families move the town, which means more income uh, that's tax and revenue that comes from it, not to mention property tax and daily discretionary spending. So those are the, the last part that those are the measures people want. Uh, a branding project by itself, I wish I could take credit for all of it. Uh, reality is everyone's singing the same story, mm -hmm. uh, probably presents itself in a way that makes you more enticing to visit, move your business or to come shop.
That's interesting too, because you mentioned there's only so much that marketing and advertising can do. There's a lot of travel and tourism has been just, it's grown like crazy because of referrals, you know, that you going to a certain place, people traveling. Uh, I went to Portland recently, which is another good example of a town who's picked, adopted the, the weird, uh, Mm -hmm. of, and I, it's funny, you talk to certain people in Portland and they'll be like, yeah, actually we stole that from Austin. And then some people say, oh, that was ours first. Oh yeah. I actually don't know the answer to that, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, but the one thing that the theme from every person who lives there is the homeless is a controversial topic and they all talk about it and you see it mm-hmm. when you go visit there's uh the camping uh regulations that you know homeless can camp wherever they want because there's a lot of tents tent cities and so they're the people who live there their their brand is is becoming from their eyes tarnished because this was a different community it did bring in a weird vibe but now it's become this whole nother thing so when you travel there now, you come away having to tell that story instead of just the typical, oh, I went to Powell's Books or the Pearl District and microbreweries were everywhere, which might have been the thing that you would have talked about. Yeah, microbreweries in Portland, for Portland, sure. Portland, yeah. Right? It's like Deschutes or whatever other beer is, is from there. But I think that's weird is their brand has become tarnished, not by a marketing or advertising, but just from the referrals and people going there. So it's really, how do you, I mean, yeah. I'm sure you work with certain companies. Uh, little cities or whatever that maybe sure. have a, a certain stigma to them. And I guess that's probably difficult to come overcome when you have well, a brand. You have, first, so there's two things. One, um, in, in complete normal distraction fashion that I bring, I'm going to stop and give you a joke. Go for it. All right. <laughs> Why are campers always so stressed out? I have no clue. Because they stay in tents. Uh. <laughs> Ha, ha, ha. Okay, anyway. so That's um, good. I've never heard of that one, so I'll give you that that's one. A, that's a Chandler original. I made yeah. that up, by the way. Okay. Um, we'll, t- we'll, we'll give you the, the copyright or the trademark. You, we'll you, make sure you. it's on. It's recorded. Yes. Now, uh, now, you know, so so your, your question was, it, it can, negative, can, some, can one little stigma affect a community? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I believe if you are not proactively telling your story, something or some person will tell it for you. Uh, I, and so what I'm about to say, uh, I say the highest respect. I do not mean to be offensive. It's just a quick, I get it example. Uh, there's something that uh, Sandy Hook, Columbine, Jefferson, Missouri, all have in common. Waco, Texas. <laughs> Near Waco, Texas. Right? Isn't that how we learned it? Near Waco, Texas. <laughs> Waco, Texas actually is maybe the best example yeah. of it. Um, I'm going to leave Waco out just temporarily. Yeah, I'm going yeah. ba- to come back to it, actually. Yeah, let's do it. Um, so... But all those have the similar one incident just completely defined them. There's another one that happened that was just as popular, but I, I believe as a country we reacted differently to it, and that was Charleston, South Carolina. Mm. And the reason I think so is because we all had an existing relationship with Charleston, South Carolina. As a country, we didn't know Jefferson, excuse me, we didn't know Ferguson, Missouri very mm-hmm. well. We didn't know um, Sandy Hook. We didn't know Columbine. A lot of, a lot of the country knows Charleston either because they visited, which is a, a close relationship then, or you've heard about it. You see it on the news. You see specials. You see movies that include it. So, there's a, so they already have a story, a narrative about Charleston. And we were, I think as a country, we reacted differently to Charleston than we did the other ones because we knew it, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, and it didn't paint it the same way. I thought as a country, I thought we, you saw more action or desire for things to change and do something after the Charleston incident than the other ones, because 
because it meant something to us. Mm-hmm. And it, right? If you do not do something to manage the reputation of your community, someone or something can. Waco, Texas, um, unless you live in and around Texas, the further you get, all you knew about Waco, Texas was David Koresh, yeah. right? And near Waco, Texas and the Branch Davidian. Um, not many people knew the university even because it's not in the name, right? And boy, wow, what, a, what an about-face Waco, Texas has had in the last five years because of two people. Yep. Right? Fixer-upper. Fixer-upper. <laughs> Chip and Joanna have completely changed that town. Yeah. And uh, now all of a sudden, I mean, they literally have given it a facelift, uh, but the bigger effect of it of, wow, what a charming town, because they're showcasing the town on every single episode and taking these historic homes and making them special. Homes are so cheap, and you have people on the West Coast or East Coast looking at this like, you could buy a house for 60 grand. Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, the reality is you can't, you mentioned that one example of Portland, though, uh, with, with homeless, and it tarnishing their image. And that's that's why destination branding and, and, and place branding is is challenging because it's not one thing. Tourism is just one piece of it. We actually look at eight different pillars of a community that gives it its reputation. Eight's a lot to go through in a in a podcast. Uh, so I'll just use exa- a few yeah, of yeah, them yeah. as an example. But some communities are completely defined by the businesses that are there. Uh, Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. Now we didn't know much about San Jose, California. Silicon Valley completely defines it. Right, Houston. I mean, there's a lot of great things we know about Houston, completely defined by the oil and petroleum industry, right? The energy industry, without and, a doubt. And rockets. It, it yeah, was rockets said, there too, right? It was. Yeah. Uh, they had a global audience on the mission in the, when the, the Neil Armstrong landed on the moon, where he said Houston 20 different times, and that's like their brand. That's like right. That's people around the world, and they have the biggest Vietnamese population. Houston does in the U.S. because of a brand like that. It's like that's right. Houston in the 60s, it became this boom town. Industry, a, a business can completely. Define a place. Lynchburg, Tennessee. Mm, that's a big one. Lynchburg, Tennessee. It's all defined by one company, right? Yeah. Tennessee Whiskey, Jack Daniels. Little known fact, by the way, when you step across the city limits into Lynchburg, you actually turn black and white. It's all black and white. <laughs> that's how old-fashioned the place is. It's amazing, yeah. for sure. Now, um, so, yeah, I mean, that. Could, but education's another area. For some communities, completely define it. Now, education is a big part of this mix. It doesn't completely define Austin, but I'll tell you, Bloomington, Indiana, Gainesville, Florida, Athens, Georgia. College towns. Do you, do you know much about them other than the universities that are there? Great universities for all of them, right? Um, so you can be completely defined by your education, and I think it's worth saying K-12 through has a role, too. Show me a community that struggles with its reputation. I, can, I already know they struggle with K-12 through education every time. Right. It's 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 a it's a it's a big it tells you about safety. It tells you about quality of life. It tells you about affluence. Flint, Michigan might be a one that you think of with the lead in the water or whatever it is. Right? It's Yeah. So there's there's pillars of, of all there's uh, several pillars in a community that affects its reputation. The people. Are you welcoming or not? Right. Do you ha- or do you have a, a very, very strong homeless population? Which and by the way, where would homeless be? Who would they be reaching? Probably tourists. So the impression's bigger. Many of us, we think we have a certain image in our head about a city that we visited 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And in our mind, that's what it looks like. I promise you it looks a lot different today. But at least you got to realize when you visit a community, it's the equivalent of sampling. You get the best of it. You eat the coolest restaurants. You don't eat at Applebee's and Subway. You eat the really cool local stuff. You get to see the really cool things. And then you leave. And that's what's in your mind. And you tell people that forever. 
Well, I always right. tell people who come in for South by an ACL during the during the the best time to be here in Austin when it's eighty right. degrees. I'm like, yeah, you came at the three day window for ACL. <laughs> you saw some great music and great acts and got a lot of completely drunk and hammered. Had a great time, but it's not always like that. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you're gonna have 105 degree heat in August. So yeah, like a lot of people do get surprised about that. Yeah. Uh, that's interesting that you say that. I I I wonder, and and this is something that as a, like you said, n- gaining control over your brand. I wonder if it's if it's more difficult now to do that, uh, which I would probably imagine it is with the advent of social media, with digital media, and just the ways that users now, mm-hmm. influencers can, can impact. Uh, I think I would say, like you just mentioned Chip and Joanna, they probably are one of the best influences for any town in America. And they just came from nowhere, started the show, obviously got picked up by a national television network, but still changed the perception of a city, which was unfortunately known for a lot of bad things, (laughs) whether it was Branch Davidian or killings of basketball players for Baylor or (laughs) West Explosion or whatever it was. There was a lot of different things. But yeah, I guess, how do you now, how do do municipalities try to navigate that digital landscape and try to get ahead of maybe some of the influencers who are constantly active online? Yeah, I'll tell you uh, what you'll see. uh, Municipalities are now becoming incredibly active. They they understand that um, the trust that that's necessary to build with their citizenry uh, can be can at least be met at some levels with social media. So now we're seeing municipalities be really take a, a leadership position in how they communicate very, very frequent uh, active uh, position in communication with their constituents. Uh, it's uh, with there's uh, the International City Managers Association uh, is an organization for you know city governments and um, and they you'll see when you go to their their conference is actually about three weeks in Nashville and mm-hmm. uh, that conference there'll be a heavy emphasis on uh, on social media and it's and it's just people you know it's kind of classic communication. The more you communicate, the more I trust you. The less I know, the less I trust. And social media has allowed that bridge to happen. Uh, tourism, you know, is always challenging the local community because most most residents aren't aware of it. Uh, we don't go to hotel parking lots to see if they're full, right? Uh, we don't eat out every night, at least I hope not, right? Uh, uh, I mean, I'd like to, but it won't be so great on my waistline, yeah. right? So we don't see all, we don't go downtown on Congress Avenue every night, and we don't see the hotels in the convention center, right? even if they're packed. And so there's always a disconnect between the residents and, and, and really the impact of tourism. Social media allows a new form. I can't spend advertising speaking to residents about tourism because I don't have that much money. I should be spending it outside the community. Again, you're not gonna see that, right? But social media allows me to merchandise and communicate with, with the community that I'm serving even though they don't see the tourists, I can tell them the results of it and the impact that we're making. So it's that's really been a game changer. Like it, again, like it has for all industries, but it's definitely helped tourism tremendously. Is it more? It, I know there's a lot of different. Uh, say there's the state or uh, or an area that like it can maybe can includes uh, the trifecta of three different cities that they try to team together because it's a valley and it brings a lot of maybe it's a wine industry say like Napa sure. or Sonoma the Finger Lakes up in yeah, New York Finger Lakes that's a great yeah. example um, Saratoga or all that that whole area I, I do you f- find it's difficult to work with sometimes the 
how do you how do you manage all those expectations from some of those cities who have those each individual goals but then it's a common goal because they know that they can attract more people based on this one central theme because they're a valley or like you said the finger lakes area yeah i mean i think you pretty much asked me the question where the only suitable answer is it can be a giant pain in the ass actually yeah. I mean, there's no <laughs> doubt about it um yeah i mean the, i mean the reality is we're uh, the reason there's county lines the reason there's state lines is because people didn't get along at some point and said they could do it differently, right? Kentucky has 120 counties. Only one state has more counties than Kentucky, and that's uh, here in, in Texas. Uh, and people always say in, in eastern Kentucky especially, you know, the reason we have so many counties is because we just couldn't get along. There's some truth to that. The so, yeah, families we, couldn't get along, basically, uh, next uh, door to each other. <laughs> come on, we're talking half film McCoys here, right? <laughs> um, yeah. But, you know, I mean, so it's true. When you have multiple... Uh, and it's the biggest, the biggest challenge of, of branding a, a community, place, county, city, you name it, region, are the competing geopolitical boundaries. You know, one of the biggest misnomers uh, in tourism marketing uh, is, is that um, DMOs, des uh, destination marketing organizations, will promote their county because that's who they're under governmental. Politically, they're under mm -hmm. the, the county government. And they might have some funding. Right, that's where the funding comes from, mm -hmm. is they come from, you know, Chandler County. So they're the Chandler County Convention and Visitors Bureau. Come to Chandler County. They're promoting Chandler County. There's one problem with that. People don't visit counties. We don't go to counties. We go to dots on a map. We go to sand. And we go to water. Mm -hmm. Theme parks. Giant, uh, maybe sporting events. Mm -hmm. That's it. We go to very, we go to dots on them. We don't visit counties, and so the misnomers that we're we should we should be promoting this county because that's who we serve, um, and politically it, it really bothers people if I were to if I were to just highlight one dot on the map because mm -hmm. there's like four dots in our community. What about these other three cities? We're going to promote this one city over the other three. Well, if I can bring more money to your entire county by promoting this one city, would you rather me do that or would you rather me promote the county which no one wants to go to? Yeah. County doesn't necessarily have a brand. Maybe there's something like the theme park or yeah. a triple A team that can bring in people. Yeah. Wine or uh, yeah, breweries. We, I, we, we've worked with many destinations where uh, we went and asked, you know, we've done interviews with all their visitors and said, hey, how did you like your trip to so-and-so county? And they're like, huh? We didn't go to that county. And we knew that they went there. Thousands and thousands and thousands of people have gone to the county. No, we didn't go there. Where did you go? I went to this lake. Oh, tell me about the lake. Oh, it was fantastic. It's wonderful. Right. Uh, people visit specific destinations, yeah. the cities. They don't visit counties. But it, but politics gets in the way. We mm -hmm. we uh, so if you imagine, imagine having two, three different counties, two or three cities all work all together on a branding project. And that that has to happen. You gave some good examples of it. Uh, there's a fantastic place in northern Alabama. Oh, man, it's got a great story. It's called the Mus Muscle Shoals. Hmm. Uh, you, mm -hmm. you, if you want to do a little bit of uh, research on the history of rock and roll and where that sound came from. Oh, is it from, like from mus not muscles the food? <laughs> yeah, mu muscle Shoals. Shoals. Uh, yeah, great great story of uh, United States rock and roll history right there. And, uh, and it's kind of an area. There's a place called Muscle Shoals, but it's shared by about two or three cities, about two counties. Uh, What's the counties. story of uh, rock and roll? Who's Is it Leonard Skinner? I don't know. I, uh, did. They, I mean, you name it, they've recorded there, and I'm not joking. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, there's a great little song uh, by a band called Leonard Skinner uh, called uh, Sweet Home Alabama. Yeah. And there's a little lyric in that song. It says, in Muscle Shoals, they love the swampers. 
Ah, I don't even know if I've ever even listened to that part of it. That's the Swampers wear the band out of Muscle Shoals, and they played on records from Rolling Stones to Leonard Skinner to you name it. Uh, yeah, pretty cool stuff. Yeah, see, that's then you. I, I wouldn't have known that, and that's you're, you're spreading the good word to right, all the people there out there. <laughs> there you go. So, uh, see, that's you're doing the exact thing that is what you want that that Muscle Shoals area to do, just yeah. to spread the word. Come, comes listen. Now, to some I, you know what work. I could have done. I could have just, instead of tell you what was interesting about Muscle Shoals, I could have described a logo. Would that have been better or worse? Probably? Yeah, I don't know. Right? Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. People brag all the time. They ain't putting logos on Facebook. They're putting fun pictures of what they do, right? And it's it's funny, too, how you mentioned earlier about the residents and the disconnect there between them not really taking part in some of the things that the tourists do. Yeah. I've lived in Austin my whole life, uh, born and raised. I have maybe seen the bats fly under the Congress bridge twice in my lifetime. And last time I saw it was probably 10 years ago, but people come into Austin and they're like, Oh, I got to go see the bats. I'm like, Oh really? Like, I guess. Yeah. I mean, there's bats in Austin, but you, I take that for granted because I'm not, I just think that's normal. And I didn't realize that not everybody has bats fly out of from under a bridge. (laughs) But out of Franklin, Tennessee, where I live, historic Franklin, Tennessee, I might add, I've seen three posts this week from uh, friends that I know that were at the Travel and Tourism Conference. Esto was in, is it being hosted in Austin this week, coincidentally? And I've seen three different posts in social media of the bats. The bats. Um, on the bridge. I've right? probably never seen my friends post that. And then I guess that live here. So that makes total sense. You. Uh, you mentioned Bargetown. They yeah. won their, you know, the national. Uh, Travel Tourism Award. Mm-hmm. What was it that? Uh, what type of campaign do you tip, oh. does typically win? I know awards can be said. You know, hey, it's like, oh, do we really want, you know, to to uh, t- to hold our hat on this award? But uh, what did they do differently that might have gained them the recognition? You know, uh, first and foremost, I had nothing to do with it. <laughs> uh, but you know, it's kind of one of the best um, kind of a, a measure of of quality work is when you look at something and you're, and you're like, man, I wish I would have done that. Right. Uh, and that's how I feel about the Bargetown work. Uh, you know, uh, their bourbon industry has never been more popular than it is right now. Uh, they're building barrel houses, uh, by the dozens in central, uh, Kentucky right now. Uh, the bourbon trail, um, is, is just going like gangbusters. It's a strong connector and, and tourist. Uh, Was it, is it, yeah. do you think it's, Younger people? Wh- wh- who who's going there now? Why is it blowing up? I think people want to. People um, are looking for so trails and routes are more popular than they ever have been. I think a little bit of that is because over eighty percent of the U.S. population lives within an hour's drive of a major metropolitan area, and so as a result, everything looks the same, and uh, and so we want new stories, new experiences, and so uh, the journey is becoming just as important as the destination. And whenever a destination is the journey like a bourbon trail uh, they just become very popular so it's it, it, yeah bourbon's just it's exploded it's been such a big deal in kentucky and and competitive to say the least uh, louisville has their claim to to bourbon but louisville's kind of not known for bourbon as much as it, bourbon's a big part of louisville they've got some other things uh like horse racing that's <laughs> a big part of it right with churchill downs and kentucky derby and then all throughout central kentucky claims bourbon so for bargetown to have the gall to come out with a big campaign this year that simply says, as bold as they possibly can, especially in outdoor and some of their digital ads I've seen, it simply says, bourbon is made in Bardstown, which comes across like 
it's the only place it's made. It's not, but that's what it looks like. They are claiming this is where bourbon is made. It's, I thought it was a genius campaign. I'm not even sure who did it, but I wish we did. It's, it's, <laughs> it's really good work. Yeah. Well, that's interesting because you're talking about the dynamics of how social economics, urban sprawl, people li- living within 50 miles of a major metropolitan area, there is a lot of time to get away. And people need that. Like People are getting some vacation time. Maybe they're getting more time to do those things. And they maybe just want to enjoy themselves. <laughs> Drink wine, Drink bourbon, whatever it is, and so that makes a, a whole lot of sense. Uh, so, what, what do you see since you've been working with these municip- municipalities from from the start? And like you mentioned, some of the traditional advertising. Mm-hmm. What's changed over the course of landscape of, of the the media side of, of the advertising side? Is is it now more digital heavy than it ever has? I mean, what, what, as far as a yeah. budget goes. Sure. You know, it used to be heavy traditional. Now it's it's maybe somewhere half. Maybe it's even more digital. I don't know. What what is the industry that what do you see in on that side? Sure. Yeah. I mean, for the most part, I think um, it, it depends on whether you're a rural like rural location. Usually, um, in the tourism industry, uh, a lot of most marketing budgets are determined by the number of hotels that they have. Uh, that usually it's a, it's a transient tax, meaning meaning that locals don't have to pay the tax and the funding for tourism. Uh, guests do. Right, which is kind of nice. So it's a, so there's sustainability in that, right? So when a guest stays, they're they're taxed on the hotel room. That tax funds the promotion of tourism. So as a result, the larger budgets come from places with most hotels. Um, those that are more rural and have fewer hotels, it's a little challenging, and they can't do much. Um, so a lot of it's not in, in out. It's, it's not not as much of that is spent in placed media. Uh, social media has become a, a kind of a game changer for them, without mm-hmm. a doubt, because they can. You know, if you have the right content, you can be as big and bold as anybody, or at least it used to be. That's even changing now because organic is not doing what it used to be uh, in social media. So they get all excited because they have 2,500, 3,500 followers on their Facebook page, and and then they hire someone like me for me to say, yeah, uh, less than 10% of them are actually seeing anything you do, and they get all mad at me. Uh, We didn't write the rules. That's just what's happened now. But um, so, yeah, social media has definitely been the game changer, of course. But I think the biggest thing is just overall, and you go a little bit more broad, is just the, the device. Uh, our devices uh, with our phones have been just the, the big game changer. We don't use Yellow Pages anymore. I mean, heck, there's people that listen to this that don't even know what Yellow Pages are. Yeah. I mean, seriously. Um, if I gave, or have ever picked one up. Right. If I gave Yellow Pages to my son, he literally wouldn't know what the heck it is, right? <laughs> uh, but it's, it's how we find information. Uh, we don't even, I mean, some of us don't even type. I mean, my 15-year-old doesn't type. He just, hey, Siri, where is this? Really? Right? Could you, I can't imagine the day I had a Yellow Pages and I went, hey, you know, Yellow Page, find me a plumber. And the page just opened and flopped and there's the plumber, right? That's a good comics, like a good meme. Yeah. You know, just a, yeah. a picture of a Yellow Pages. Hey, yeah. can find me the AAA. It's not working. <laughs> it's not working. Right? Um, so yeah, so the devices just change things so much, um, and having the importance of accuracy of online data. I mean, like, what does your location say on Google Maps or on Waze or, or um, your Google listing? Uh, it's just uh, so the the management of content and blocking and tackling content, not not big old marketing messages, but like your address and your phone number, and making sure someone can click on your phone number on your website, rather it be static and people not. I mean, little things like that because our device plays such a heavy role in it. Um, that that's just been the biggest game changer, uh, without a doubt, for tourism, municipal marketing, you name it. Yeah, it makes sense too. For pe- these small municipalities, can't afford 
a huge advertising budget. So they're going to spend it somewhere that yeah. seems a little bit more organic, like you said. Yeah. I mean, well, it's also automatic marketing machines, too. Yeah. That is why we've gone mural crazy, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, towns across America are... All right, let's bring in the mural. Bring in the murals. All right, let's get them out there. We want to get that girl in front of the wings. That's right. You got to get the picture. Oh, one of my favorite, uh, Danville, Kentucky, uh, fantastic destination. I think this next weekend is there uh, is the Great Kentucky Barbecue Festival. Oh wow! I'm gonna book my trip now. Well, my friends in Owensboro <laughs> are gonna be mad about that, right? Again, Owensboro may be the international barbecue capital of the world, according to them. But Danville is the home of the Kentucky Barbecue Festival, and they have a mural of barbecue wings that are dripping with sauce. So you get your picture made in the middle of these dripping barbecued up wings, like chicken wings. Yeah. That's pretty fantastic. It's that's that's interesting. I mean, there's a ton in Austin now that you pop up and you're like, oh, that was a blank slate. And they created some really cool mural that a lot of, you know, hipster basic girls might, <laughs> excuse right. me, might go in front of it and then uh, put it on in their Instagram story. Right. So, so it's just... People with their phones are now yeah. marketing machines, and our goal is: can we engage them with something that's interesting and unique and fun? And and that's what have, we're that's how we're kind of painting the face of communities around the country through what people share on social media. Have you worked with influencers or reached out beyond at, on behalf of the the municipalities? Uh, a, a few, yeah. You know, it's a, it's tricky. It's a full time job. Uh, recruitment of of travel writers. Uh, it's kind of what they call it in the travel industry: it's travel writers, travel bloggers. Uh, you know, some of them are, it, it can get be a little tricky, uh, wrangling. Uh, it's almost like uh, managing celebrities, even though they may not be celebrities. Uh, they think they are at mm -hmm. times, uh, sometimes. Uh, so it, it's, uh, everyone wants something different, everybody, and they should, because they all want unique content. They all don't want to sound the same. Uh, they all don't write for people magazine anymore or try or home and garden magazine. Uh, they have unique blogs and, uh, those blogs have this enormous following and so you have to cater to every single one differently. Uh, it takes a lot of care and time to do it. Uh, usually that should be the responsibility of a local that knows the town left and right because the more you learn about your travel writer or your blogger that's coming to town, then you're going to customize the experience that, that's going to be most interesting to them. So uh, it's, it's big. Uh, they're, they're, they're a big part of um, you know, reviews. TripAdvisor is probably the number one travel site on, you know, that's available because people like to get advice from people that have already been there. Ratings and reviews. Ratings People want to, to hear what, what it was. What was your experience like? And I, I can tell you right now, my wife won't won't book a hotel if she he's, sees one really bad two-star, three-star review. All right. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not a huge re re review person. I don't know. Maybe I just haven't caught up to that. But that might be – maybe I'll get more acclimated to it in the next yeah. few years. I've, I learned my lesson. I like to give the benefit of the doubt. I'm like, oh, man, that, that person was just crabby that day and a little mad. So they gave a bad review. The last time I said that to myself, I've regretted staying at that hotel, so I'm not doing that again. What about Airbnbs? You know, hotels right. you've mentioned a lot of. Sure. Uh, that's definitely a huge way to track things, but with Airbnbs and, and now uh, Verbo or HomeAway, what was yeah. Formula HomeAway, I guess what has that impacted the the CVB space at all and the tourism? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's every city's different, and city and state governments uh, are trying to wrangle and, and, and manage that. Uh, you know, technically, um, you know, it being there's remember the occupancy tax that I spoke of earlier. Mm -hmm. You know, are they paying the occupancy tax as well, or are they? You know, they because if they have different rules of retaining guests, overnight guests, as a commercial business, then that is uh, unfair to other businesses that do. So that's been the big challenge. 
Uh, overall, it's great because it is creating more travel. And it's also evident of what we talked about with the trails, right? People are looking for authentic experiences. Uh, once they stay in a hotel, they know exactly what it looks like. Some people want those comforts. Some people want the customized place that feels like a home. It's a little bit different. Uh, so that travel. And they can make dinner. Yeah, absolutely. Do whatever you it can, is in the woods can, somewhere. You can do whatever you want. I Friends of ours went to a, a concert out in the middle of uh, the country in Tennessee and found a Airbnb and it was a trailer. You know, they just some, redone some, out or some, something. Someone yeah. had a trailer on their property, opened it up for Airbnb and come on in guest. They said it was fantastic. They had it was all tricked out on the inside. It was super nice. So yeah, yeah. you can, there's a few places like that out in West Texas, uh, Marfa that you can go and rent teepees or, Oh yeah. Or, uh, or, That's, Oh, there's a great teepee location, uh, in Kentucky that I've seen two or three in the country. Uh, they're opening up teepees. Uh, another, I've seen a couple of places with covered wagons. And you go in the covered wagon, it looks like a hotel room. <laughs> I mean, again, authentic experiences are really becoming a theme uh, that people are looking for and seeking. Well, that's great. Yeah. Anything else that you'd like to add? I, I, I know you got to get going, but what what within the space that you might see changing or, or on the horizon, uh, something that's kind of, hey, be on the lookout for this, maybe something drastically change. I don't know. Nope. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> no, wait, I'm, I'm supposed to say something really insightful with that setup. Yeah, right? like, no, not like, at all. Here is, here is Steve's look on the future. And if you, if you, if you were patient well, enough to hold off to the end of this interview, you found out the nugget of <laughs> what's next, right? That, that's, the, that's the whole point. What are we it. putting our money on, Steve? Yeah, what, what are we putting our money on? Put it all on black. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I think we've talked about. It. I mean, I yeah. really do. I'm not going to make up something. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think we're. I think there's a, a strong desire, and this is a media thing. Uh, we've proven it. Um, uh, the easy answer is to the easy way to start the story is 1980 uh, CNN. Seriously, mm. with the advent of, of cable television. Uh, but look at magazines. Look at television. Look at radio. Look at social media and how it's started and how it's getting small. We always want more customized, more personal content. We've never gone backwards. Never. Mm. We went from mass to a little bit more custom, get your channel that you want, to even more pick your channels, to DVR, right? Uh, social media. We went from uh, you know, Facebook, where you can have this big old, big old giant post with all kinds of stuff in it, to at the time, what, 140 characters. And now, you know what? That's not even good enough. Now we're, let's just. We don't even care. We don't even want 140 characters. We just want your pictures. So give us Instagram and Pinterest, yeah. right? And now we just only want it for a few seconds. <laughs> Snapchat. Our the desire, the way we've consumed content has always and only become more personal, more personal, more personal, um, and and it's only going to continue. Uh, which is fascinating. I, which I, might be good for smaller communities. It's it's going to be fantastic for smaller communities. I, I believe that the small towns are making a comeback right now in America. And believe it or not, I think it's because of Amazon, mm -hmm. which sounds crazy. But here's my theory, is that commodity shopping, the king of commodity shopping, is Walmart. That doesn't... Re I know when I'm going to get there. I'm. You go to Walmart to buy... The same stuff, big brand stuff. I know what I'm going to get. I don't, it doesn't require personal shopping and much selection. I go there, get my stuff, and get out, and I get the everyday low prices. That's what they're about. Mm -hmm. Amazon is taking away from Walmart now because now, if that's the case, God, it sure would be nice if I didn't have to go to Walmart to get that stuff. Well, now you don't. So Amazon has made even 
less personal shopping as far as person, uh, excuse me, less personal interaction, less personal interaction. And you can actually pick your brands that you love and it's always going to be on Amazon. It's always going to You know be. it's going to be there. It, if it's not in stock, it'll tell you, but you don't have to go 10 miles into town to, to go to the nearest Walmart. But, but a basic human desire is to have social interaction. And I don't want it from Walmart. I obviously don't want it from Amazon. But the boutique dress shops, the custom shops, the things that you get in a small town, they can deliver that. And, and, and so there's a desire to have it. And I've seen it. We work with small towns all over the country. They're making a comeback. People want personal, authentic experiences. They don't want – there's a role for to the chains and the big brands. I'm not going to bash them. But we – but but that cannot replace personal experiences. And so those who can cater to that and not try to offer everything to all people, but just do what they do best. Mm -hmm. uh, I think those are the ones that are thriving and that's what small towns are for. So that's, it's kind of fun to watch. Yeah. yeah I sure. think that's, that's probably a good way to end it, but I, I'd love for anybody to, to how can they find you sure. uh, if they are interested in just, Picking your brain, because obviously you know you can right. already give. If they listen to this, they're like, okay, how do I get? In they're touch to with the this guy? end. Goodness gracious, <laughs> poor people. Uh, yeah, you can find me uh, socially. You can find me on uh, Twitter at uh, uh, at uh, ss chandler, um, and uh, Instagram's the same thing. Our our company's called Chandler Thinks. Our Twitter handle is at uh, Place Branders, and uh, or you can look at our website at uh, chandlerthinks.com. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us here in the queue. You bet. Thanks, Steve. Yeah. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Q1 Media. Q1 Media partners with agencies and brands all across the nation for all of their digital marketing needs, whether it's CTV, OTT, location-based mobile device AD targeting, search engine marketing, targeted display, research and data that you might need for your clients, whatever it is, Q1 Media can help with all your marketing efforts. Uh, so yeah, please check out Q1 Media's website at q1media.com. That's q1media.com and you can view case studies, examples of our work, or even check out episodes of The Q, the podcast, Conversations in Digital Media. 